Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. So you know when you really want something in a remake and you close your eyes and wish for it really hard? Well, today, Mimi Darling and I will be the ones ignoring you. So, Mimi, is The Island a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Has not been, and definitely should be, if only because uh, it's a little hard to rewatch at this point. We had fun. No, don't get me wrong. Is it one of the most fun movies I've ever seen and I enjoy watching? Absolutely. Is it incredibly problematic? Also, absolutely. Yes. So that's what I mean when I say yeah. it's a little bit difficult to rewatch. And therefore, because it's so much fun, and I think also they knew they were having fun. I don't yeah. think anybody was very serious about what they were doing. <laughs> I do think that it should be remade. If there's one thing I can say for a Michael Bay movie, it's that he doesn't go in with the... Uh, intention of being a serious movie yeah as far as i know i mean maybe if that's his intention of a serious movie interesting yes yeah (laughs) no i think uh i think michael bay is really all about getting the shots and the angles and so as long as we get the shots and the angles say whatever you want i'll I'll just get the shots and the angles and this movie definitely accomplishes that yeah but i think we could do the shots the angles and maybe not have it be so misogynistic. Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. Potentially. Have, I guess, a, a secondary main female character? If if that's okay. I mean... We can't have Steve Buscemi telling his clearly younger-than-him girlfriend to quit with the yap-yap, I think is what he said. I mean, whatever he says, it made me see red. So yeah, I'm not it was, sure. It was real bad. <laughs> uh, so... When did you first see The Island? Oh, gosh. Um, The Island is one of those movies. I think, honestly, the first movie I came in to talk to you about was Catwoman. Correct. Okay, sorry about that. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, This is your third time on the show. It was Catwoman, and then we did Terminator. Yes. And now The Island. And now The Island. Just action movies all the way. I mean... It's so funny, it's my least favorite genre, but you would never know that, because I, I have a lot to say. Uh, it would be interesting to have you come in here to remake Pride and Prejudice. That's not happening. But I also don't know what your favorite genre of movie is. It's it's the magical... Fa- it's fantasy. Fa- it's fantasy, but like fantasy loving, like fantasy romance? That's what I like to read. I mean... <laughs> I know that, that's why I, yeah. I, I'm extrapolating. So potentially, I would say... I would say you know, I honestly like urban fantasy and that like mm. I like fantasy when it uh sort of invades what we already know to be real. Got it. So Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, actually <laughs> <laughs> love I mean I don't love it. It's not my favorite movie by far, but like yes, in had, that sort of realm. I've definitely had other people kind of toy around with the idea of really wanting to remake something like Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. But like it's always been like, well or and like going someplace else. But yeah. Either way, you chose the island. I did. It was either the island or Teen Witch. So that's right. That was the other one. <laughs> yeah. So I think the island was a fun choice, especially for this. It's like casual. It's just like it's a Michael Bay movie. Whatever we do is correct. He's right, because whatever he did was wrong. Correct. So the first time I saw this movie was with you and Cam, and it is, it's wild. Yeah. 
there are definitely some moments where you're like, that's fun. And then there are lots of moments where you're just like, oh, buddy. Yeah. A, a ton of oh, buddy uh, moments. A lot of cringe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A few, uh, like, don't look at the screens, because that's just gross. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I do think, like, this is sort of the movie that made me realize I appreciated sci-fi as much as I I mean, as much as I do. Yeah. I think I saw this movie. You asked me when's the first time I saw this movie. I was a youth. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably, actually, I think on my way to high school um, to age myself for all of you people who can do math. And I remember uh, being in San Pedro, San Pedro, depending on uh, how you like to say things. Mm-hmm. And my sister just drove me and dropped me off at the movie theater and it was showing and I saw it by myself uh, and then went back and saw it again like two days later. Hmm. Not because I really enjoyed it, but because I was like, wow, the world building here is like, we could build worlds, you know? And I really understood it through the lens of, you know, a good glare in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's, it, it, it does make... It does posit an interesting world. I'm going to be making an argument in a few minutes that the entire movie is flawed because it's based on a failed premise. But the important thing is, it does it in an interesting way and it creates this, like... It does something that a lot of these movies don't do. Like, it introduces you to a premise and then bails on it. The the world that we introduce you to is a lie. And especially for sci-fi movies of, like... At this time, we've been dealing with The Matrix and all the other things of, like, of course... We are in this amazing world. This is an amazing world that could happen. It's a dis- it's a utopia, but secretly a dystopian. Not even that. It's just the real world, and it's just this building built in the middle of the desert. Like you do. Like how all good construction projects are. And it is very interesting in that way, and I could very much see how that inspires you to think. And it's just like, oh, okay. And you just start thinking about and processing and analyzing. And then, unfortunately, that processing and analyzing leads you to realize that this movie is garbage. But fun garbage. Yes, Lots of twists and turns. I think, honestly, I talk about, like, how nobody was taking it very seriously. Yeah. But I think everybody was having the most fun. Correct. You know? That comes across so much. Yeah. Even Scarlett Johansson, who's, like, being objectified is still, like, this is hilarious. So let's just roll with it. (laughs) Unlike the entire rest of her career, it's fun objectification. Right. Yeah. It's pre pre the rest of her career, you know. Well, (laughs) so there's a clip of Scarlett Johansson from when she's like a teenager. And I'm trying to remember what the clip specifically is, but it's like her sitting across from like some other uh, person. And like the other person says, look, I understand that I will never be as beautiful as you, teenage Scarlett Johansson. And I'm just like, oh, so you've just been, this has just been your whole life. That's, that sucks. I wonder if that's the sort of thing that would give a person a complex. Moving on. Uh-huh. <laughs> look, I love, uh, look, the best tree money can buy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but it's like, it not, not her fault. Um, but this movie, for those who haven't seen it, the basic premise of The Island is that we're introduced to this amazing world where it's a bunch of people, they've survived the apocalypse, and sporadically there is a lottery where people who live in this residence get to go to the island, which is basically just the most perfect wonderful place anyone could possibly live but in the meantime they're kind of all in this holding cell but they can't go outside because it's like a nuclear wasteland outside 
But it turns out that's not true. They're all clones of rich people, and this is just an organ farm for those rich people. And when someone has chosen to go to the island, it's just because whoever they were originally cloned, whoever their prime is, uh, needs a new, in Michael Clark Duncan's case, liver. Yes. So they grew an entire Michael Clark Duncan, and then just took out the liver and threw the rest away. But only because they tried to just grow the liver, and it didn't work. The only way it would work is if they cloned an entire human, fed that person, gave Uh him sentience, and then murdered him and butchered him for parts. Yep. Well, not parts. Part. Depending. Depending. Yeah. Because, like, you might have a car accident and need multiple parts. Mm Mm-hmm. So as the movie progresses, uh, Ian McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, well, Ian McGregor realizes that it like kind of sneaks out, sees Michael Kirk Duncan get killed, and is like, oh my god, this whole place is a lie. I'm going to talk to my one, uh, not my two friends who I hang out with all the time, but the one friend who I think is pretty, even though the movie explicitly states that they were bred without sex drives, but that's definitely not true, because this is a movie. And I'm going to take her and uh, flee, because she, specifically today, she just won the lottery and she's about to get harvested for parts. So I'm going to escape with her, question mark, question mark, question mark, try not die. Yes. Movie. Movie. Yes. I'm trying to think, did you leave anything out? I mean, he has the friend who works there, but like, they basically like, everyone who works there is like, they're just animals, they're just product. But like, when they're on the floor, they're like, hey, great, you're doing great out there, buddy. You sure stayed in shape real good. And it's just a movie where you don't realize, like, outside of this movie, you don't realize how creepy a smile Ian McGregor has. And then you watch this movie and you're like, you have a really creepy smile, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It made it a little bit difficult for me to, like, Star Wars when I was watching it mm-hmm. as a youth. Fair. Because um, I was like, no. It really uh, <laughs> it, it, it really colors in his whole character in Salmon Fishing in the Yemen for me. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. You know, you, you've you brought that movie up it's really so fun many to say. times. It's not good. Like I, I, The only reason I bring it up is just because he's in it. and I Because that way I get to say, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen is a good movie, but only when they're talking about Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. The rest of it is bad. Um, which is weird. It's, it's, oh, it's so weird. I hope you guys got that sound bite, because you can use it forever. Or else he'll keep saying it. I, you can't stop me! <laughs> but, so, what I was going to say, the reason why this the entire premise of this movie is faulty is they ask Ian McGregor's prime, how much did I cost? Like, you cloned yourself in order to have spare parts, because you're dying or whatever. Or you, hepatitis, I don't remember what he has. Hepatitis. Cool. And it's like, so how much did I cost? Oh, you were five million dollars. And you're like, wow, it's a lot of money. In $2,005? Whew, boy. And then you realize that um, for Michael Clark Duncan's character, if he paid $5 million for a liver, you can get livers on the black market for about $100,000. But not when you're a, like a football player, oh, celebrity yes, football can. player. Oh, yeah. Because people would know. And somehow it would come out. It's just better for you to just miraculously cure yourself. Well, so the entire premise of this movie is that, like, rich people of all varieties have these secret organ farms walking around in this bunker in the desert. But at the end of the day, rich people already have access to organ farms in the sense that they can buy black market. All they have to do is take a weekend in Mexico, and now all of a sudden, they have a new liver. See, but I think the thing that you're thinking about is you keep using the word secret. The only thing that's secret is that there's clones. That's Everybody thinks they're just growing livers. So they're thinking, oh my god, I'm going to get the perfect liver for me because it's 
my liver, they don't recognize that it might be in another human who looks exactly like them. That's that's fair and that's true. And I guess if theoretically... So if you're the sort of person who's like, well, I don't want to take a liver from an actual human being, we can pay more money and get it here. Great. I, I agree with you. However... I don't think rich people care. <laughs> well, okay, I, I feel that, but I do think it's all about, you know, survival of the fittest for rich people, let's just say. Sure. So I do think, like, would you trust, let's pretend you're disgustingly rich, would you trust a black market liver over a liver that was specifically grown for you? Because it might cost around the same. It's not a secret. Rich people do this, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not a secret. It's just, yeah, I got my insurance policy three days ago. When did you get yours? Would you rather trust one that you don't know where it's come from, you hope it's good, you hope it's healthy, mm-hmm. it may not be, or the one that was specifically made and designed to aid you in anything that you could possibly need? I'll follow up that question with another question. Would you prefer to do that, or would you go with the one where if you don't like the liver that you got, you can pay the same, the same much smaller amount of money again and get a new different liver? And you have the option of buying... 50 different livers to make sure you get the right one that works for you or you get one shot and you got to make sure that that one turned out right. I think that if you have a scientist telling you it's automatically going to turn out right. We've done all the science. Just trust. I would go with the one that's like the perfect one for me versus the ones that might work and I might have to keep getting surgeries and stuff done over and over over again. And that's, that's a reasonable argument. Yeah. For the purposes of our remake, mm-hmm. one of the things they talk about the movie and like on, in the pitch, when they're pitching a room full of like obscenely wealthy people on this idea, they're like, this is your ticket to immortality. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's an organ replacement. And I think that that is flawed in the sense that like that's a lot of money for one liver and one liver is not going to, I mean, it'll extend your life a few years, but it won't grant you immortality. What I think I want to do is I kind of want to do the island meets get out. Okay. In that... They know they're growing bodies, but the, the, the prime people, the original, don't necessarily know that they're sentient bodies. They're just growing themselves again into, like, the prime of their youth, like, in their 20s. And so when we go out and we meet them, the person we're meeting is going to be in their 60s, 70s, 80s. They're going to be old. And it's their ticket to immortality because they get their body again, but younger. Because that's actually a ticket to immortality as opposed to just, I'm getting an organ replaced. See, I feel you. It feels a little looper to me. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah, I feel you. I think the thing that I like about this, though, is that this movie is really about the greed of rich people. And it's less about them trying to get immortality as much as that's a selling point for some of them. And more about what wouldn't you do to like prolong your life just a little bit more in those dire needs and restraints? I mean, for example, one person in this movie in, in our current, the islands, not our version, um, just wants a baby. And instead Mm -hmm. of having a surrogate has a surrogate through this program. Yeah. Who's exactly her, you know? Um, and, uh, I genuinely forgot about that, but yes, you're right. Yeah, so it's the idea that, like, as much as it can be just specifically one for one part, in Scarlett Johansson's character's point, sh- she's going to need all of her mm-hmm. <laughs> because she's in such a terrible accident. Um, it's really just about getting anything you need 
and having that be available to you because you've already you you took out your insurance policy. Yeah. And so I think that's the reason why the story kind of works in my opinion because it's just about like yeah, I just I bought me a new liver. It's totally fine. I can keep drinking even though, yeah. you know, my liver is shot versus sort of reaching for youth because from what we've seen, there's not very many old people who are in this vicinity, this residence of well, all of the people. They talk about at the beginning of the movie, I don't remember the character's name, but there was that, they they go, this person, because the Michael Clark Duncan was like, I've only been here for six months, it's right. amazing. And what they talked about is like, like the Ian McGregor had been there two years, three years. Three, three And the years? guy who'd been there the longest had been there seven years. Mm-hmm. And that, like, and I guess his person's just super healthy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think if we are going to lean into that level of excess and that level of just extreme wealth and um, just, like, if you're so rich and and uncaring, I think excess is the correct word, like, that level of excess, then I don't think they should just have one. See, I, I hear you, and I completely agree with you, because when I first saw the movie, and this is just me, like, filling in gaps when I was a kid, mm-hmm. when I first saw the movie, I assumed that if you used your insurance policy, because you had already spent this much money, you were gonna get another one. Like, right. if you, it was like an endless card. You will always have livers. <laughs> you will always have, you know, hearts or anything like that, because you spent this much money, or it's like a membership. I was kind of expecting that, too. Like, I was, I kept expecting to see another Ian McGregor somewhere, and we right. never did. Well, I love the idea that maybe there's plenty of Ewan McGregor's, you yeah. know, in different facilities. Like, they, they, because like, they mentioned that there were different communities in the same building, but we only ever saw the Different one, sectors. Right? Different sectors. Yeah, because all the different sectors that are actively in the movie that we see are, like, the birthing sector, and this is where we teach all the dum-dums. Yeah. <laughs> this is where it, we give them their memories. But there was only one of everybody. So, like, all of a sudden, you have Michael Clark Duncan, who had this insurance policy, and then all of a sudden needed a new liver. Right. And then he gets that new liver, and then doesn't have an insurance policy anymore. And if you're the sort of person who's living your life, it's like, I'm going to be all right, no matter what happens to me. And then it gets used. And then all of a sudden you're like, now things are real because it's like, oh my God, if I die now, nothing can replace anything I've lost. Except you can always buy another one. But you have to wait for it to get grown. I don't think it takes that long. We don't know. We don't know. We could decide in our movie how long it takes. Right. But either way, I think, I like, let's say... Like, either way, if you got into an accident the next day, it wouldn't be ready that fast. That's true. So either way, there was, like, uh, like a, a holding period between the next $5 million to get the thing. I like the idea for our storyline, then, having multiples. Maybe we don't see them all. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a moment where we do get to see them all, but there are multiples of each. Because maybe your $5 million gets you three. Right. Well, <laughs> I also like the idea of us having our lead not hanging out with anyone other than themselves. It's just, like three or four or five of the same person all hanging out and then one of them gets to go off and like it it's all these little communities like mini communities of just the same people being with each other i don't know why i think that's fun and creepy and weird but it's also very much because they also talk about how the ian mcgregor starts remembering things and starts asking questions which they're not supposed to be able to do and then, because his name is like Lincoln Delta Echo or something, I don't remember. Uh, Lincoln Six Echo. Lincoln Six Echo. And they realize, oh, oh, the like basically from Echo forward, all of them are starting to have like memories coming back of who they used to be, and so we're gonna have to just wipe out everybody. And I feel like it's more interesting if it if you think it's just all the Lincolns, 
or all of the Jordans. And you just slowly, and it's like, okay, he escaped. And because he escaped, all of the others of him were killed. And, and, and you get like, literally you killed yourself by escaping or whatever. And like this person spiraled out. And it's like, the, and so, and then the scientists think that something is wrong with just the Lincolns. But then they start realizing it's also the Jordans and the this guy and the that lady and the this. And it's like, they're starting to see these seeds everywhere. And they're like, no, no. and then they have to go back and save everybody, which is so dumb. <laughs> but you don't like that they went back and saved everyone. Like literally, no. <laughs> like their whole purpose of escaping was we have to tell everybody that we exist. And then they abandon that and then go do an action sequence back in the original place. No, the whole purpose of escaping was so that Lincoln Jordan Nixon. 2 Delta did not die. That is the reason why they escape. Sure. They escape and then they hope, by us escaping, maybe if we show up and show, you know, our primes, you sure. know, that we exist, they will throw such a hissy fit, you know, because they didn't know that, you know, because I think uh, Mac tells mm-hmm. them your primes don't know that you're people because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be people yeah i think that's sort of the the whole thing because i think one of my favorite moments in the island is the moment where you realize ewan mcgregor's prime is a piece of poo mm-hmm. i don't know if i can say the other word of course you can piece of shit yeah <laughs> you did it editor please bleep that wait no i'm the editor no <laughs> i think that's one of my favorite parts because we have this character lincoln six echo who is so nice and so when he found out that anything bad was going to happen to him his first thought was to save his friend yeah you know and it wasn't just about him he goes to meet his prime his prime's first thought is i have hepatitis so you have a few years (laughs) you know so it's like not the same that he's a completely different person than his prime he's a better person than his prime so of course once he gets that freedom he's probably actively safe now that his prime is is dead, why wouldn't he go back and make sure all of the other people, because he sees them as people, be free? Well, mostly because he's not an action star. He's a, a person who doesn't understand really how life works, and they were lucky to sneak out of a place, and the fact that they were able to sneak back in and do anything is ridiculous. But that's just the uh, the thing we're being asked to believe. There's uh, When Cam was telling me about this movie, he's like, there's going to be a line. We're going to get to the line. It's the most ridiculous. The writer just gave up and had nothing else to say in the moment. Because they basically, like, so there's a moment where Lincoln, and we're going to spoil this for you if you haven't seen this movie, or I'm going to do it. Mimi had nothing to do with this. I'm blame, blame me. I'm the one that's doing this to you. <laughs> there's a moment where they're like, they're running from like the, the, the body police or whatever. And they're like, why are there crumbs everywhere? <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Like I clean. It's bad. Um, anyway. Uh, and the, they're, they're running and they're trying to make, get away and. The, the body police are coming after them, and they're on this building. They're on this sky rise, and there's this giant... What is it? An R? Yeah. It's an R for Team Rocket on the side of the building. That's the joke I made when we were watching. It's the Team Rocket building. Giovanni's inside. Ah, I'm very funny. Um, and, like, literally the R gets blasted off the side of the building, and they fall in this R into, like, mesh in construction on the other side of the, of the, of, like, the road or whatever bunch of people below them must get killed because like scaffolding and everything falls from the sky and like crushes cars and shit 
And then, like, but they fall into netting and they're fine. And there's this construction guy who just leans over and goes, Jesus must love you. Yeah. It's one of our favorite moments because it's like the writer was just trying to write this per- perfect action sequence. Basically does, but gets them in a corner. Doesn't know how to get, them, get out them out. And just blows it up. <laughs> and then it gets worse because then, like, he helps Scarlett Johansson climb down and out of the, the mesh. And he goes, oh, Jesus really loves you. Because it's a Michael Bay film. Of course. Uh, we are not allowed to not acknowledge how attractive a woman is in a Michael Bay film. Slowly and appreciatively and longingly and a little creepily. A lot of creepily. Very creepily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay doesn't do things a little. Michael no. Bay only does things a lot. Yeah, everything's pretty big or boom. Yep. Bigger boom. Um, Some things are big boom. So then, so yeah, like I think that's ridiculous. But, but anyway, so... You don't want full body replacements. You want them to go meet someone who looks like them. I do want them to go meet someone who looks like them because in my head, I would like for at least one rich person to be redeemable. And I would like them to go, this is fucked. And I, I would I would like that to happen because I do think that not all rich people are bad. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me. I said not all rich people are bad. Um, it's really hard to say that sentence, isn't it? Is, it? It's a little keep, bit hard. trailing off. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, sure it's going to get it's twenty. Up. It's 2022, and <laughs> I had, I, you know, I have these feelings from before, mm-hmm. and I still hold them in theory. Because you hope that someday when you are a rich person that you will not be bad? Oh, I think, I don't think I'm ever going to be a rich person to be able to afford my own, you know insurance policy to make sure I have, <laughs> have the parts that I need. Like, you might have money someday, but not clone money. I won't have clone money, and if I... As long as I don't have clone money, I will always think having clones and killing them off, you know, for sport or, you know, car accidents, whatever, I will always think that's a bad idea. But I'll never have that money to decide if that, I need it. You're doing that as a joke, but that's actually a really good point and an idea of... We just assume that all of these clones are being grown as organ replacements. And it's because the, the, the primes don't know that they're clones. Right. But there's got to be an extra level of like people who do know and they, they know this is me. And it's like, I just want to hug myself. For sp-. And like, there's going to be different layers of like weird, freaky shit. Sure. I love the idea of, you know, a certain level buys you in and you get this package, you know, I, I guess, like, the thing that I didn't like about... Well, the thing that I do like and dislike about the movie, because I really think it traps us, mm-hmm. is that this is a government-funded project, yeah. and the government doesn't know that there's clones. Yeah, that's... Insane. So, like, that's the reason why we have this huge action sequence, because for them, they're like, it's too late. Well, because this corporation's been lying to the government. Right. It's too late. Just kill them. Just get rid of them so that nobody knows. And then it be, turns out to be this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I do think that, I, I mean, I I like the idea of it being sort of a membership. Like, you join this secret society of rich people who have these endless livers <laughs> specifically for you yeah. if you need them. It's clone Scientology. If you pay enough money, you get to ascend the ranks and find out more and more about the great yes. Lord Zulu. If you get to the inner circle, then you get to hug yourself and forgive yourself for the things that you've done in the past. Correct. And and only will you be able to reach full enlightenment. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I think that's how it works. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know. Yes. So different levels of that, and I and I like that. I also wanted to talk about uh, Doctor Bernard Merrick, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Bean. Just full Sean Beanness, all the beany goodness. Except he does make it to the end of this movie. But not to the very end. Because he can't. Correct. It's Sean in his Bean. contract. These are rules. <laughs> but basically, and I gender flipped uh, Dr. Bernard. I did as well. Um, but one of the things that I think would be interesting is that I didn't understand why Dr. Bernard existed. But then Dr. Bernard, there wasn't like a clone Dr. Bernard walking around as well. Because if there's anyone who would want to have like this backup policy, it's the person in charge of the backup policies. I think the person in charge of the backup policies who has to live in this environment and just watch over all of these babies, basically these toddlers running around and make sure they're not like touching each other inappropriately. I don't think he is ever in danger enough to have to worry about backup policies. I also think maybe he does have a a backup policy. I like to think that his backup policy is a little bit um, like, oh God, it's going to bother me that I can't remember this character's name from the stupid movie from Prometheus. (laughs) Well, the reason why I bring it up is that like, if this doctor is so smart and is the only person who knows, like freak accidents happen all the time. And, like, there should be a backup of the person who knows the process. And I really like the idea of the doctor having assistants, which are just clones of the doctor. Right. And it's, like, this whole circular of, like, well, we're all on the same page because we're all the same person. I love the idea, potentially, of the doctor having a twin who we all think is a twin. And then we find out is actively a clone. Or the other way of, because we're watching a movie about clones, we just assume it's a clone, but it turns out it's an actual twin. I, I like I like, a, I like a twist. Give me a twist. So the twist I had in mind mm-hmm. was that it's a, like a series of clones, and then the core doctor who we've been using is, in fact, a clone who killed the original doctor and took her place. Okay, I'm a big fan of that. In the sense that, like, because literally it's one of the things where, because Dr. Bernard in the movie we have now is like, your original died. You could have just assumed his life, but you didn't. You came back here. And, like, the way he just said that so easily (laughs) is, like, oh. Because you did. Because you did. Right. I do like that. And it's, and and especially because, like, especially as the memories came back, it's, like, oh. Well, I can't go do anything else because I already have this identity. But then, like, kind of starts buying into it and just becoming the person that they replaced. And, like, surrounds himself with clones the same way. And, like, literally towards the end of the movie and, like, towards the end of Act 3, the Doctor can be killed by one of her clones... And then you kind of get the sense that that, that the next clone would have, would also be about to take her place. So, okay. I like the idea. You mentioned you wanted to do The Island Meets Get Out. This is feeling a little bit The Island Meets Us, actually. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea. I think we mentioned that we would have different sectors. And I like the idea that, let's say, we have multiple Jordan 2 Deltas, multiple Lincoln 6 Echoes. I like the idea that they live in different sectors, that they don't necessarily know each other. I think I agree with you. And I like that idea because then we can always have a Dr. Merrick in each of these sectors. Ooh, and okay. they meet and have meetings about what's going on with their people. And potentially I like the idea that when they find out that some of these clones have memories because I think our Merricks do not have memories of, of their past lives of who original Merrick was. But are they seeing each other and what they look like when they're meeting? Yes. Okay. They know, they know that they all exist because they were created with the sole purpose to help them run this program. Sure. So they know that. I like the idea that the person they think is prime Merrick isn't 
because Primeric is dead. Yeah. And I like the idea that these other ones, these, let's say six of them, because there's six sectors. Let's just, I just came up with that number off the top of my head. I like six. It's my lucky number. I love it. There you go. It's for you. I did it for you. Thank you. (laughs) Much appreciated. Yeah. I like the idea of that there's this head Merrick and then there's these six sectors where they come and meet and they talk about all the things that are happening. And when our Lincoln Six Echo Mm -hmm. starts to have these memories and starts asking questions, they think it's the entire sector that's bad. Ah. So they're going to expunge the entire sector. And they have six sectors just because... That just it's important and smart to have that level of redundancy. Yes, and because they are so over overly funded, it's it's even if some of them end up being a waste, so be it. It's okay. It's redundancy, and that's smart. Yes, we don't want to grow an entire person to just use a little bit of it if we don't also can save everything else as a backup and have those backups. Like if hurts himself tomorrow. Yes, and I like the idea too that it is a membership. Your $5 million buys you one. We make six. Yeah. You know, so don't worry if you get into another accident. We have this other one. All you have to do is pay. Mm -hmm. You know, pay up. Pay up right now. You get your next one. You don't have to worry about it. That also brings up the next question of it's $5 million up front. I like it's up front. But you have to pay a little bit more every year. To keep... The other ones alive to to keep it going. Like we will make like five dollars is the is the manufacturer cost, mm-hmm. but the housing and feeding and everything that is an additional cost you have to pay every year. So are we saying the primes then for sure no, or are we just saying to the primes you're just getting livers, but to make sure all of your livers are fine, it costs money to upkeep to have them stored. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it's upkeep, storage, maintenance, all of the different things. It's like making this is the hard part. We're basically clone, like cloning the different piece of you. We're taking the thing. It's, it's all a very technical process, and it's a lot of expensive heavy machinery to make the thing. Mm-hmm. So that's can, five million. But then, that's five million. But then we have to keep this thing alive, and. It was $5 million to make this thing, and we want to make sure it stays in the most pristine, perfect condition. Okay. So, a million dollars a year. It's fine. It, we'll, we'll keep it up, pay for it, and then whenever you want it, whenever you want any part of it, for any reason, we got it's you. yours. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you can deal with someone who just, like, a rich person goes broke. It happens. Something happens. All the rich of them. person is no longer able to pay. Somehow the prime, the prime just gets killed in a car accident. Something happens, and then all six of them just get removed from society. Yeah, I do. Like I like this. I feel like it's more <laughs> sinister. Yeah. <laughs> it's more sinister because I like the idea of this like head Merrick who we're supposed to be following, who's supposed to be the reason why we're here, who no longer exists. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea too because it. I think my favorite thing about any of these, it's always like the government's fault. And so I like the idea that we still think it's the government's fault, but it's it's not. Yeah. I I should mention, and it's something that's going to come up specifically with my casting for uh, Dr. Merrick. One of the things I do think we need to mention is the TV show Dollhouse. Okay. Because a lot of what I'm suggesting does pull pieces from Dollhouse. Dollhouse is problematic for a lot of different reasons. So many. Cool. <laughs> it's like it uh like I enjoyed Dollhouse before I thought about it. And it it, it suffers from a lot of the Joss Whedon problems yes. of a lot of the shows. But it's just like I'm acknowledging it, it exists. We're gonna try to avoid those. Mm-hmm. Um so one of the things that this movie doesn't address but would most definitely be a problem is uh so there's a moment towards the end of the movie when they capture Scarlett Johansson and one of the guards 
like she's trapped on the table and he like looks at her boobs and he's like what a waste or something like that mm-hmm. and i feel like there's almost definitely going to be something where if they're growing beautiful people of any kind in a lab there's going to be bat monsters who try to take advantage of that yes it's the it's the zombie apocalypse conundrum sorry i feel like every movie with the zombie apocalypse introduces the zombie apocalypse and there's always a scene where our hero has to go to the grocery store and stock up on stuff or you know is gonna go out and see whatever but at the point where the zombie apocalypse has happened the people who really needed those rules and really needed those constrictions sort of let their freak flag fly Ah. so they're not shopping for grocery store foods they're not shopping for tents or even crossbows they're shopping for people and it's just sort of they let loose sure with this idea and especially especially if you're dehumanizing all of the clones and calling them product Mm -hmm. then people then they're then uh, one or many or all of the guards are really going to have no problem with sexual assault right and i feel like there's got to be a really strict rule in place of you are a guard here you touch any of them we will kill you i like the idea that there's no proximity in the island yeah you know i like the idea that that applies to guards as well yes and maybe we see a guard get handsy even if it's just to like grab a girl to be like don't you can't do whatever anything like that who gets dragged yeah. out of out of our sector yeah um, I, I think we need to have that. I think we need to acknowledge that. Just because otherwise... Because they do not acknowledge it in this first movie. At all. And it would absolutely be something that would happen. For sure. Because people, men specifically, are monsters. I mean people. Yes. Men specifically. Men specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's something that we need to at least address. Okay. So we kind of have our setup and our introduction to uh, like what this facility is. Mm -hmm. What do we then want to happen in the movie? All right. So I love everything that we've built. It's very different than what I originally thought that we would do. And so with my casting a little bit, what we'll deal with that. I think I can make, I can, I can make my casting work. I I can too, but my Lincoln and my Jordan specifically, I cast people like uh, actors in their Mm twenties. Cause it's like, Oh, here's the young, young idealized version of myself. And now 20, 30, 60 years later, that's the version of myself I want to go back to. That, that was sense. my original pitch. That's not what we have, but yeah. that's why I cast these two people. Okay. Um, well, I will say, like, I did a lot of gender swapping. Mm-hmm. So my Lincoln Six Echo is a woman. So is mine. My Jordan Two Delta is a man. So is mine. <laughs> um, and same with my Dr. Merrick. Yep. And so I do feel like it lends the story. I also have a um, a Mac character. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, I, I, as do I. Um, who is trans. Oh, in, in my in my lineup. And my thought process is... That was an interesting thing I wanted to bring up, but I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, my thought process was because I want... Lincoln Six Echo is the main character. Uh, our our main Ewan, not our prime, but our main Ewan that we're following. Beautiful <laughs> frosted tips. Um, <laughs> and I like the idea of it being very apparent to anybody who's paying attention that Lincoln Six Echo has always been different. So when... Lincoln Six Echo is reaching out to somebody in in my department is IT. They're actually forging these connections and and relationships, and other people who are, are paying attention, who are just there to do their job, are like recognizing that something's going on with Lincoln Six Echo, but it's not getting back to that sector's marriage. Yeah, that's what happened to Dollhouse. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> it is. It very much is. Okay. But it's fine. We can do that too. But uh, basically in terms of, uh, so part of another one of the things I wanted to talk about in my original pitch of like taking the brain out, putting it in a new body is there could very well be affluent trans people who want to design their idealized body kind of from the ground up. Right. It's a body that they would I- ideally have no dysphoria of any kind in. And that's a very serious thing of like, how much control over our body should we be allowed to have? If money is no object, then you can make your perfect body, would you? Right. That's very it interesting. Is, but if we're not, if we're still just going with like, Harvesting. Harvesting. Or then that's not really a question that surgicing. we're dealing with. And I think that might be a different movie. I think... But I, it's an I, interesting movie and I really like it. Yeah. It's a movie I think deserves to exist. And I think it deserves to be something that is separate from any relation to Michael Bay. I agree. So while I think that is worthwhile and I think casting a trans uh, actor in this is... We'll, we'll see what happens. That might be the right person. That might not. Who knows? But I do think, especially for something where you're designer body parts, I think that's something that should be addressed and is is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I agree. And I do think, like, with the help of my Mac character, because I wanted my Mac and Lincoln Six Echo to have such a bond that when Lincoln Six Echo and Jordan Two Delta show up on the outside, Mac's immediate reaction isn't GTFO, (laughs) like, leave me alone. It's It's, hurry up and get in here. Like, thank God you're free. Yeah. Um, Like, it... I've ne- like if I'd said anything on the inside, they're constantly watching. They would have killed me. Yes, but I was kind of dying a slow death, not being able to do anything about this. Yes, and now all of a sudden, I have this opportunity to be a good person and help you. Yes, which is it does in the movie as it exists feel like that a little bit. But the but, Matt character is so gross. Yeah, but he's so <laughs> gross and weird for no reason. Except it's two thousand and five. Except it's two thousand and five, and it's like, haha, let's make jokes about. Uh, uh, weird costumes i think in my ideal storyline like the storyline of let's get free because jordan 2 delta uh, who's played by scarlett johansson is is up for the lottery i do like the idea of a lottery i like the idea that in order to make sure these people stay in line they do have to give them this like sick kind of hope that will never be fulfilled i think it makes them able to keep them in line also in my idea sorry i'm like i've all over the place but also my idea they play this game that means nothing (laughs) you know right they play this video game where they're fighting against each other and it's kind of their way of flirting you know um and i like the idea of them having games in general which will actively help them on the outside. Like, whether that's, you gotta run to this thing, and it's an obstacle course, or it's some sort of video game which will help you see what L.A. used to look like, quote-unquote. I like the idea of them having their, you being able to use the things they did on the inside to help them on the outside. I'm more interested if with them, like, kind of getting the memories and the abilities of the, the person that they are or were. Right. Like, if... Um, if the Lincoln character is like this designer of boats and cars and everything, be able to hot, like hotwire a car and be able to do that. But I don't think it should just be one of them. I think it should be both of them. Right. And like they lost, they're now out of the environment that was actively suppressing the, the returning of this knowledge. And now that they're outside, all of a sudden, all of this stuff is coming back to the point where they finally get to their prime and they, 
they basically are that person. Yeah, like, I remember everything. They basically, yeah, they basically are that person, but without the corrupting influence of fuck tons of money. Mm-hmm. Which is, an, which is a scientifically proven corrupting influence. Mm-hmm. So now it is almost an idea. It is still an idealized version of who this prime person would be if the if they hadn't been completely corrupted and suscept and turned bad by the world for yes. one of them, not yes. necessarily for both of them. Because you said you want to have a rich person to believe in, and that's fine. I want just that. One. I want that for you. Thank you. Not both of them. Not no. If, just just one. I think. Well, I think one of them is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sucks for Jordan to Delta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or or. Jordan. Their Jordan, actual. Uh, o- uh, original flavor Jordan? Yes. Jordan Classic. Jordan Prime. <laughs> uh, or And especially Jordan Prime's, like, toddler child who's like, Mom, are you calling me on the phone? No, I'm not! Click! <laughs> yes. I think, like, it's the same. Like, that person is dead. But I do like the idea of, you know, we get this phone call, right? Well, then let's do that. Let's have the original Jordan die right. in a big accident it's not a big rush of do you do i sacrifice myself in order to say that this person died so all the jordans are getting expunged because there's no reason to keep them around anymore the person that they're for is gone yeah and that we can we can even have this big thing of lincoln and got jordan out and they made it out in their safety but then they find out that the other five jordans three of them have already been killed and the other two are about to be I like, and that's a really good reason for them to come back. Yeah, because no matter what they do, no matter how quickly they deal with, like, telling the world that the place exists, those two people are about to die today. Right. We need to get back today. And now that we have all the knowledge and the influence of our original peoples... At what point do they learn that there's other sectors? Like, I know that they know that there's other sectors, but at what point do they realize they are represented in those sectors? I think that can be one of the things that Lincoln finds when uh, our, both of our castings for Lincoln is female. When she gets out, we don't... I think the surrogate pregnancy thing is a little bit ridiculous. We can do that. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. I mean, there's two. There, there's the Michael Clark Duncan one, and yeah. then there's that surrogacy I pregnancy. think the Michael Clark Duncan one is the more important one, because, mm-hmm. like... like because they're both just brutal. Yeah. But they, they both accomplish the exact same thing. Uh, brutality, you're not... You are a tool being... You are a product being used for this thing. Either version of that, it accomplishes the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other thing that's being established is just kind of exploring the world. And I don't think we need the Clockwork Orange room where they're all just like lying on a table and there's a screen in front of them like yes. hypnotizing them and it's like, I recognize that guy's face. He's the actor who got used to hypnotize us. I'm like, that's dumb. I'm sorry, but that's dumb. Right. Um, I think it's more interesting if they go and they see the other six sectors. Okay. It's uh, D- uh, Lincoln Six Echo. Yep. So, and there's a Lincoln Five Echo, and a Lincoln Four Echo, and a Lincoln Three Echo, and a Lincoln Two Echo. I love that. And like, although our Jordan Two Delta is in Sector Six. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but yes, there are six versions of them. Yeah. So when they're going through this tunnel, because they're following some sort of animal that shouldn't be alive. Yeah. Bird that shouldn't be alive. Yeah. Do you want to still have the, like, they all have to live here because post-apocalyptic whatever, and then the the titular island isn't real? Do you still want to keep that? I, I like I said, I do think we need something that gives them hope. It, I do think, like, a lottery is, is helpful. I don't think it needs to necessarily be an island. I don't think it needs to be that they are trapped there because they live in a post-apocalyptic society. Um, I think that's hard to explain because I, I do think a lot of them have questions even if 
they don't voice them. Like, mm-hmm. ones that wouldn't be in this lineup of groups that we would just get rid of would have questions about that because it's very like, well, what happened? Yeah. To what happened to the world? I, <laughs> I mean, they get told that, but why? Why would they care? They just, we live here. This is where we've always lived. Yeah. Isn't life great? So, because I, like, I, cause I think the fact that they were introduced, like, it's also a flaw in like the setup of this is like, we know the apocalypse doesn't exist. How did you get all that Coca-Cola? Oh, I, I found a bunch of boxes of it. Oh man, I found a moth. There aren't supposed to be moths anymore. And it's like, I, I think it's more, it's, I, I don't think you need to have this whole setup of there was an apocalypse and you're the ones that survived. Right. And it's just like, it's the future. This yeah. is utopia. We live here. This, and this is, is where just we the, live. Yeah. And. And I feel like, because I don't want to put it in the middle of the fucking desert. Like, I think that's ridiculous. And if I was a rich person, I would want something as convenient as possible. Right. And I feel like you can just have a complex of buildings inside the city that no one ever goes in. And, like, literally, I think you can get these people who escape this perfect, wonderful utopia that was a lie. And all of a sudden they run out and they're just immediately confronted with New York City, for example. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, live, like, let's say they believe they live on an island. Let's say they believe they live on the island. Because it's, this is utopia. This is the perfect place. It's, everything is wonderful. And they, but they somehow make it out. And then all of a sudden they leave utopia and all of a sudden they're back in the real world. Right. And their first instinct is, I want to go back inside. We can't go back inside. They'll kill us. We'll die out here. And they have to choose, like, the devil they know versus the devil they don't kind of thing. Right. Well, I will say, one of my favorite things about this movie is they're so dumb. Um, they are very because dumb. they don't... They've never experienced, like, life. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think one of my favorite lines is, uh, Jordan 2 Delta's trying to get a drink. And... She, you know, it's like, you want a jacket? She goes, sure. And, they, and then the guy goes straight up and she just looks, looks up. up. <laughs> I like the idea of... I enjoy that joke a lot. It's just wildly inconsistent in the movie. It's like, all the, like when stuff's getting explained to them, they understand it perfectly and they look intently instead of asking the most ridiculous follow-up questions. Right. But I feel like we have like a lot of opportunities of like them being dumb and not understanding things. Like They can literally get out of this big building and then someone can try and mug them and be like, where's your money? What's money? I just don't... I just don't think that their immediate reaction is, this sucks, we should go home, we'll die if we go home, we'll die if we stay here. You're right. (laughs) But it should be incredibly scary. Like, you leave behind this idyllic, perfect world, and then all of a sudden it's just like, because New York City as just a whole is just like ridiculously overwhelming, and it's just, you're right, it shouldn't be like, we'll die out here, but it should be, this is really, really scary. Right. I do think, like, um, one of the things that the current island does... Uh, which feels dumb, but they've sort of swapped all of the color out of the place that they're in. It's all very, yeah. uh, like, medicinal feeling. Like, it feels like you're in a hospital. They were all white. The guards were all black. Um, besides the, you know, poly fruit juice or whatever that yeah. she orders, there's pretty much no color that they come in contact with. I love the idea of it feeling black and white to them when they're inside of this place that's supposed to be safe for yeah. them. And then... Um, the outside is full of color. And because I do feel like, you know, when you're in a movie theater and you come outside and it's bright yeah, and you're like, Oh, my eyes. And it just sort of feels like this is kind of dangerous and I shouldn't be here. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go back inside to the movies where it's safe. Yes. (laughs) The hero always wins. My safe haven. Um, I do think that is something that we can do to play with those feelings and those juxtapositions. I like the idea of them being in a place that they're sold 
is Utopia, but I like the idea that Lincoln Sick Echo and maybe even a little bit Jordan 2 Delta picks up on the fact that it's not perfect. Yeah. And that's the reason why they're exploring or looking for anything different at all. And like other people sort of think that this is what good life is like because they don't know any better. Yeah. You know, so I like the idea that nobody has a problem with the buildings that they're in and that they don't have windows or whatever and they only get to see this view. Even if they know like the view of the island is fake. If they know it's fake, but like you have to keep it this way. Like this is how everybody lives in every sector. And maybe there's a sector seven, which is just the rest of the world. I don't know. (laughs) You know, but every sector sees this view because like we've been through so much trauma. This is the best way for us to move forward. This is how we reach inner peace and happiness and blah 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 so everybody's fed this stuff to make them like feel happy and good all the time but we have our two main characters who don't right and and then are are like this isn't working (laughs) you know for me so when they break out and they see like real color and real smells and like real things that's not just fed to them I feel like they would run towards that because they've never experienced it because our two main characters already have a problem with their utopia. Well, I also think that could be the big difference between our two main characters uh, is one of them craves variety and the other one craves comfort. Yes. And I do think like in my head, that's the the Scarlett Johansson character would crave the comfort. Yes. And the Lincoln Six Echo, the Ewan McGregor character would crave adventure (laughs) and i think that that can even be a bit of their arcs over the course of the movie of too much comfort is dangerous because that's how you got comfort with people killing it right killing you but too much variety can lead to danger and people getting hurt like i think lincoln's uh desire for uh difference and variety is going should get jordan hurt and lincoln should realize the consequences of that and in the same way that lincoln prime might choose to eliminate, like, would choose not to go back and would sacrifice this person in order to protect themselves, our clone Lincoln doesn't do that. And we can literally have these two parallels of the original not doing the thing that the clone did, and the clone being a better person than the original, which we don't really ever have in in the movie as it exists now. Right. I was thinking... You know, because I like the idea of someone getting hurt, and I like sort of it being at the hands of the clones that uh, somebody gets hurt. And I was kind of thinking, like, what if Lincoln's prime is injured, but it is actively Lincoln's fault, even though they weren't trying to. Great. You know, because I think that would really put it in perspective that, like, not everything's going to work out the way that you think it is. You're too idealistic. Jesus doesn't love everybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But then also, like, it would bring... Like, Jordan 2's whole ideas of, like, we should go home, we should go to what we know. I would like to see a little doubt in our Lincoln. I would like to see, yeah, I would too. Because I also, when we got to the end of the movie, and Jordan turns herself in, I assumed she was turning herself in. And I said this while we were watching. Oh, she's turning herself in so that she can be killed to save the life of the original Jordan. That's what I thought was happening. Right. But then that's not what happens at all. It's all just part of their big, ridiculous Ocean's Eleven plot that they came up with in five minutes. Yeah. And... (laughs) Which is kind of amazing. You've been outside for, like, two days. Yeah, they've never even heard of Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) But I I genuinely think that that's... Like, I think the movie would have been better if that sacrifice had been real. Mm -hmm. Like, I am choosing to sacrifice myself to save this life of this person because they are essentially me, but with kids. Right. 
and I I want them to live to continue to be with their there for their children. Yeah. Because this movie, as a Michael Bay movie, doesn't even think about that. It's like, oh yeah, no, the original one's like brain dead or whatever, so she doesn't even matter. But we're gonna kill her because vengeance. Right. I, I like the idea of you know Jordan Two Delta finding out like this person actively needs me, and if I don't do it, you know, and that because there's this moment where. At some point, they're going to find out that there's six of them, yeah. and it could have been any of them yeah. who got taken. There's only two left, and they're going back to save them. That may be one of those... Well, they're going back to save the two Lincolns. No, the, the two Jordans. What? Yes. But, <laughs> yes, you're right. Okay. Let's say they're going back... Uh, yeah. I was going to suggest that they're going back, but now she, uh, he has to go back because the rest of them are gone. And only... Like, I am now the only backup. Okay. And, like, that's what they find out of. Like, they are going to go back and save them, but they they didn't save them in time. And now the original's dying. And now, like, so, yes. Are we getting this bittersweet ending where Jordan does not survive? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I think that's more impactful. And I think it's... Because I think that that is more to the point and the moral of what we're going for of... Or certainly that I'm going for of, like, this much money bad... And right. it's these, and like you can literally have the side by side of like the people who have the money not doing the sacrifice and doing the bad thing, and the people who didn't have the money, literally the exact same person making the sacrifice, doing the thing that's right for the most people, and the other people not. Right. And I think that that is an opportunity to actually say something with your movie instead of just run around big explosions, boom. I agree. But I wonder then, you know, because like I said, I wanted my Lincoln Prime to sort of stand up for the clones and say this is not okay. Yeah. And like try to get the program shut down. I do want the standoff moment between what we think is Prime Merrick and Mm -hmm. our Lincoln. Agreed. Um, I want that too. And I do sort of... But I think that's Lincoln's story. Yeah, I do. I agree. But I also think that with Jordan, I like the idea of Jordan turning themselves back in. But one thing that really stood out to me that it didn't matter if Jordan was sent turning themselves back in or anything because the prime was brain dead and it was, it was over. It didn't matter right. at that point anyway. Right. I, I feel like, do we lose Jordan to something that if Jordan had have stayed the day this person would have made it? Yeah. But like Jordan feels bad or guilty or whatever, but like this person doesn't make it or, or is Jordan getting harvested? And well, that not- can even be the thing where Jordan does the thing, turns themselves in, and goes to the place and is strapped down in the chair and literally is getting knocked out, and then they find out that the other person's brain dead and it doesn't matter. Like, they made the sacrifice. They made the choice. Right. But they still could end up surviving. And But now, of course, they survive, but they have this haunting of, I didn't make it back in time. Right. What are we trying to say with their movie? I don't know. I think of what we're trying to say with our movie... I, I, I mean, I think what we're trying to say with our movie is that all people are people. Okay. Um, people are complex. People are complex. They don't and, fit your stereotypes. And I think that no matter what, every version of every person needs to be treated with compassion because you never know who that person might end up being. Okay. I think that's a good. I think asking me that question is good. Was a good idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So we have our our Lincoln, who's always been curious by nature we have our jordan who is curious in lincoln (laughs) they enjoy each other's company they enjoy each other's company but they enjoy each other's company proximity proximity (laughs) Um, space for jesus yes um more space and uh we have lincoln going on an adventure through this utopia 
I, you know what? What I really liked about the storyline is that the people are so overworked, they just sort of give Lincoln Six Echo a key, and they're like, just bring it back. Yeah. Because we trust you. You don't know any better to, to lie. <laughs> and then they go into, goes into like the dankest, grossest place. And I'm like, yeah. this place shouldn't have any dank or gross areas. At all. It should all be great. So I like the idea of Lincoln using the key to get to a different sector. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, is there and maybe sees himself. Yes, I agree with that. Then goes up to where they're taking, because Jordan's going, right? Yeah. So maybe goes up, sees Jordan, follows Jordan being taken, and being, oh, because we said earlier, not to confuse everybody, we've hit so many different points, but we did say earlier, what if all of the Jordan, Jordans were being expunged because Correct. the original Jordan is dead? Correct. From the get. Oh, that's right. We did say that. Yes. You're right. So then this Jordan sacrifice doesn't matter. So yes, all the Jordans are being sponged because original Jordan is dead. You're right. We can't do my thing. Okay. But yes, you're correct. We did say that. Okay. So what if we see Lincoln sees Jordan going to the whatever place, sees Jordan murdered. Yes. And that is how he decides to get back to his sector, grab his Jordan. Her Jordan. Right? Her Jordan, because we both have swapped. Yes. I, I wonder who yours is. <laughs> There's a legit chance we pick the same person. I don't think so. We're, we'll find out. I mean, if it's Sophia Butella, it's for the not. first time ever, I did not put Sophia Butella or Dylan O'Brien in my lineup. I, I literally was <laughs> expecting Dylan O'Brien somewhere in here, but I did not use Dylan O'Brien. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I literally did leave a point in here. We'll get there. Okay. We're going to do that. In this, we're, 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 about, we're about to start doing that. But yes, okay. I like that. That's what Lincoln sees. And then that's why Lincoln is like, oh, Block, and then runs back, saves her Jordan, and then they go on. And they when they go outside, escape movie. It's this whole new world. Is there a Albert Laurent, somebody who's hired to bring back, bring back my clones? Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't make it a Juman Hansu, but I did make it like someone who's like I. I understand the outside world. I understand like I understand kind of business of everything. I right. will go get them. I also have a character who is from the outside, but is. And in, like a like a agent of an investor, yeah, in this program, yeah. So like they know, yeah, and yeah, that's fine. They're chasing them, finding them. Let's have Jordan get hurt, yeah. You know, even if it's not fatal, we can have Jordan get hurt because when we go and visit Lincoln Prime, Lincoln Prime can patch this person up as best as they can. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they're gonna make it. But the conversation between Lincoln, our Lincoln Six Echo, and Lincoln Prime will show Lincoln Prime everything that's been done to them. And uh, Lincoln Prime will say, this is not okay. And through them trying to come up with the plan, the person that our Albert Laurent captures and gets and who gets put down is our Lincoln Prime. Got it. Yes. And then that way there is this person who would have fought for them. Yeah. Who cannot. Right. Because we got them in trouble. Yeah. Okay, great. And I want to, and we can meet throughout the story some of the other primes for some of the other clones and stuff in the system. Yes. And they're just all awful. Yes. Great. And then at the end, we realize, because there's this other storyline happening with the Merricks, realizing that everybody in Lincoln's sector is in danger of the same, we'll call it a virus of humanity. (laughs) After they kill the last, like after they kill the last Jordan, they're just wiping out sector six. Yes. We're going to kill all these because we're supposed to, 
because she's dead. We yeah. Don't, or he's dead. And we don't need and them. And we have a process for that. Right. The process of wiping out an entire sector, we don't have a process for, so we're figuring that out. And literally, it like, the killing of the Jordans is the ticking clock leading to them having enough, like, going through and killing all of Sector right. 6. So it's a weird ticking clock, but that's our ticking the clock. The Merricks meet and they go, we've killed another Jordan. How are we, have we figured out how we're going to get rid of this entire sector? Yeah. And that's that storyline. We have the Prime, who just is as uncallous as you possibly can get a person. Yes. Who is just, destroy them. We don't care. Burn the building down. We'll get another building. It's, like, not that big of a deal. Yeah. These other ones are like, well, no, I'm in charge of finances. Mm-hmm. And the other one's like, no, I'm in charge of, like, Well, and also city. charge of, like, waste disposal. Because, yes. like, getting rid of one body, two body, three bodies, whatever, like, incinerator, like, all of a sudden they will notice that there's this much black smoke. Yes. Because it's in the city. It's in the city. Right. So, um... We have this ring of Merricks. Do we have our head Merrick kill off Merricks when they disappoint her? I don't see why not. I like that idea that she's just a tyrant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tyrant. Literally, literally has no value or sense of humanity. Yeah. Like, the, I I am the god of this world. Yes. I choose it, who lives and who dies. Yes. No, you don't, because we have six options. I choose who lives and who dies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, even if it's this person needs a liver, that's great. It is now my choice among the, the whatever. Yes. And it's, it's just, like, like, just an uncaring, unfeeling God. If you want an uncaring, unfeeling God, here they are. Yes, because Merrick. the product of excess is this Merrick. Yeah. Yeah, because she's yeah. the first. She's Sword. the first clone. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Creepy. I okay. like it. I like this right. creepy that's great. that we've got. Let's talk about casting. All right. So I feel like we got to start with Lincoln. Got to start with Lincoln Six Echo. Uh, so I have Sophia Patel. I don't. <laughs> so oh, I have Sophia Patel. That's so weird. Um, so when I was doing this, like obviously my Lincoln and my Jordan are both in their twenties, and I was trying to do like I want them to be well known, but I didn't want either of them to be like the most famous person because I feel like that almost defeats the bit. Because one of my like other clone friends is some other A-lister where that person, this A-lister, is the clone of the actual A-lister from reality. Okay. And I just kind of think that's fun. Uh, so in my original idea, like, it, let's say Tom Holland is a person who has a clone. Yeah. Like, his name would have been Holland Six Echo because I wanted it to be Tom Holland. Yes, But we were going to go see. Yes. So I feel that. Yeah. Continually. So, uh, but anyway, so like, so both of mine are like, Famous, like you know who they are, but that's not like I. It's not like like I know every aspect of their lives, right? So uh, my Lincoln is Naomi Scott. Oh, Aladdin, Power Rangers, Charlie's Angels, Naomi Scott. She's great. I've definitely used her a bunch of times in the show because she's amazing. She's a wonderful actress, and I. Uh, she's one of those people who's famous, but just this side of not famous enough. Okay. And so I just thought she'd be fun. Okay. Who do you have? Pugh, actually. I genuinely almost went with Florence Pugh. So, my thought process is, I did sort of want somebody relatable. I think Florence Pugh makes really great relatable faces. (laughs) I wanted somebody who was relatable, who's beautiful, who we can really sort of get behind, and I think Florence Pugh as a person is that celebrity. So, I do think it would be easy to portray this role for her. Yeah. And we also know that, like, when it comes to running, she can do it. <laughs> we know <laughs> that if she needs to fight, she can do it. If yeah. she needs to cry, she can do it. So I, I went with Florence Pugh. That's a great choice. 
Um, I think it depends on who we end up having for our Jordan, but okay. I think both our options are excellent. We both They're both action stars. They're both excellent. They're both really cool, fun people. Yes. They're both incredibly charming, and they can do the creepiest smile we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Who did you have for your Jordan? So I chose this person because I sort of wanted, like, a little bit of a himbo. <laughs> Just like a, a, like a beautiful sort of idiot. Great. Yeah. I was thinking, I recently watched The Lost City. Um, and Channing Tatum would embody this role. So I chose Darren Barnett, who is Paxton Hall Yoshida in Never Have I Ever. Um, he's just a beautiful Asian-American man uh, who I, who's just really, really beautiful and can easily play dumb. Great. And I, I thought, like, I thought, like, yeah, he would be a good, also beautiful person to have next to potentially Florence Pugh or Naomi Scott, honestly. Yeah, cool. I I think that is an excellent choice. And obviously, he also has the action background and the comedy background since he was in American Pie Presents Girls Rules. Yeah, in 2020. Because <laughs> I didn't know they were still making those. So I just wanted you all to know they're still making American Pies, guys. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, so I went with someone who hasn't done as much. Um, I kind of really only know him from like Hunger Games and Future, uh, and Future Man. So I went with the poor man's Daniel Radcliffe, Josh Hutcherson. okay. First of all, that is so rude. I know. That, they look nothing alike. I don't know where you get the poor man's... They're shorter action stars. You could... They they would both get to go for the same parts. Like, right now, like, if you put, like, had, like, a part that... If there's a part that Daniel Radcliffe could play, Josh Hutcherson could play the same part, but he's cheaper. I don't agree with that. I feel like Daniel Radcliffe has really found his prime, which is just, like, lovable billionaire villain. <laughs> Well, just because you've seen The Lost City doesn't mean he's I've seen also The Lost that City. in Now You See Me Too. I just, I do feel like I he's... I don't remember that at all. He has found his niche. And, and I it's think, being a corpse. I think <laughs> Josh Hutcherson <laughs> is still very much either PETA or Seth Rogen. Like, there's two options Fair. you have there. So I wouldn't necessarily call him a Daniel Radcliffe spinoff. Um, Either way, I think we should do uh, Naomi Scott and Darren Barnett. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I saw, because there was just a clip. There was just, like, I was looking at the different pictures and there was some picture of him with Jennifer Lawrence and he's making this face. And I'm like, that's a real Daniel Radcliffe face. <gasps> and I was just like. Well, to be fair, that would be his Harry Potter. Like Hunger Games is his Harry Potter if you yeah. were comparing. And it not as good. Well. I mean, different source di- material. Yeah, different source material, different, different... Not comparable. That's a whole other conversation that yep. you and I can both definitely have. <laughs> but let's move on to uh, Albert Loren. Okay, so I chose Sophia Taylor Ali. Okay, I don't know who that is. She's from The Wild. She's in a few episodes of Grey's Anatomy. She's recently in Uncharted. Uh, beautiful, stunning actress. Super talented. She's just very badass. And I wanted this person to feel like head of security for for this investor slash like ex ops in some sort of way. And I think she could, I think she could do it. I think what we're going to end up doing is we're going to make her in charge. And the person that I have is probably going to be her number two, because I feel like it's important that this, but because Jimon Hansu in the movie had no one to talk to. No. It was just like, do like shouting at people and like doing orders and just stuff. Just him, his, his bald head and his baby oil. Yeah. He's very <laughs> shiny. Uh, and so I feel like the person I have is just going to end up being uh, Sophia Ali's, like a, like assistant mm-hmm. uh, and that's Omar Epps oh love 
Um, House, Love and Basketball, Dracula 2000, Shooter, This Is Us. He's done a bunch of stuff. Torchwood? Is that Torchwood? I, no, no, no. That's Makai Fire. Yeah. Um, but I think, based on what you're saying, I think Sophia Ali is probably better for, like, the Hunter role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Omar Epps... Like, because I figured Omar Epps would be, like, a little bit more... Um, Businessy is not the word I'm looking for, but more uh, technical side of, like, uh, like getting getting the things to get the people. Businessy, I think, is what you were going yeah. for. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like this is one of those situations where I'm like, let's do both of these. Yeah. I think I think they would both be great. No, Albert, We can't do that. <laughs> because I'm going to rip her face off. So. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I want her face off. Yes. Um, cool. That brings us to uh, Dr. Bernard Merrick. Can we do Mac first? Yes, we can. That brings us to Mac. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, so my Mac, I was, it's hard, because Steve Buscemi is such, like, singular. Mm-hmm. And I I wanted someone who kind of can, like, have that kind of energy, that kind of, like, hangdog energy, but still, like, for our version, kind of, like, be a decent person. Mm-hmm. But, like, actually a decent person. And so this guy, he's been in Severance, he's been in Succession, he's been in Duncanville, but I don't know what that is. Uh, it's an actor named Zach Cherry. He was in Shang-Chi as well, but I don't oh, remember love. who uh, he was. But... He's the one who's filming. Oh, got it. Yeah. He's very good in that. He's very funny. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, Thank you for that, because it's been bothering me. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> using you yeah no i think that's really great casting i actually chose an actor called elliot fletcher who is a trans male actor um from a lot of shows fosters i want to say shameless also why why the last man yep all of those are top three over here on this list i loved the idea of there being a moment where our lincoln six echo doesn't know about trans people in which case elliot fletcher could share that like how they were born and how they grew up and how like life has done that and having that be sort of a moment where Lincoln Six Echo realizes the world that she lives in is not the right world or is not correct. Right. I like that. The only But I love yours as well. I have two counter arguments for yours, unfortunately. Oh you hit me. Um the first is that I think when we came up with the idea for that other movie, mm-hmm. I think that's a better movie and that might be where it belongs. I right. think if we take ten, five, ten minutes out of the movie to talk about a separate issue than the stuff going on in the movie, I feel like that's exactly the sort of thing that would just get cut. I agree. And Elliot's very young. Elliot is 25. Yeah. And I don't know that someone would be working at the level of technical expertise in an organization like this that young. Oh, I do. In the future. In the future, sure. <laughs> I do, because I think that in the future we don't have colleges. We have technical schools all throughout middle and high school. So yeah. people have been doing it for ages. But part of the reason why I, I think I want to push this more a little bit towards Zach Cherry... Is, no, I'm with you for Zach Cherry. ...is because if everybody in this facility is, like, young and beautiful and attractive, and obviously that's not going to be the case, it's just they're clones of whomever, but they're, like, the best versions of whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we need to have some people who are not that... And that, and that they stand out. Right. And I feel like Zach Cherry could do that a little bit. Uh, as opposed to Elliot Fletcher, who's clearly a very attractive man. Beautiful man. Yeah. Just <laughs> the most. And would would blend in too much. Okay. I feel that. Well, I like the idea of this person being not as in a grotesque 
role in this society yeah. as the original Steve Buscemi's Mac. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I get you have all these engineers who are, like, powering the generator, but I feel like I was expecting more, like, chemical engineers. And also, <laughs> why do they have to work in, like, the sewer? Right. Why can't, why can't their workstation also look nice? Yeah. I was thinking that this is a person who, like, wore a white lab coat, went out to lunch on this, like... Area yeah. and that's where our characters met. Yeah, but I do like they get to go sit on the fake beach and eat lunch. Yes, I do agree with you. I think it is Zach Cherry, okay. but that was in my original lineup, so that's who I had. Cool, I like I'd it. Share. Yeah, I I think it is an excellent casting choice. Okay, before we get to Doctor Merrick, because like I feel like that's so huge. I have a casting choice for Starkweather to Delta, played by Michael Clark Duncan, because I just feel like we need a person to oh, be yeah. that big. Uh, yeah, I also threw in some extra people who were like, these are just some extra clones running around, being fun at the beginning, and then, because, like, Lincoln and Jordan had friends. Right. Ish. Because to, to populate the world before we run away from the world. Yeah. And it's like, I think that there should be people there. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should dwell on it. It's like, I didn't name any of them. Right. Well, I just had Starkweather, because that's Michael yeah. Clark Duncan's name. Yep. Yeah, my Stark weather is... Uh, I couldn't decide between two people. <laughs> That's fine. Like, genuinely, uh, for this, we can go with all of them. Okay, great. So I had Dave Batista because I okay. do think, like, to just big, big bring man energy. But I also had Chris Hemsworth because I just feel like he could play a person who, like, wins the lottery so well and seeing that juxtaposition would be amazing so i'm going to use those two as so in my list i had name name some a-lister who's out there who's only there for a line with their real name you know for jokes so like literally could be uh uh batista six bravo and uh hemsworth two delta sure like that sort of thing like they are literally who they they are clones of their famous people sure little bit of levity, levity, little bit of fun. One of them gets dragged away, and it's very funny, but also very sad when you realize why they get dragged away. Yeah. Cool. I think that's great. Let's go with both of those. My two extra people were Beanie Feldstein. Oh, love. And uh, there's an actor named uh, Kofi Siribo. Um, K-O-F-I-S-I-R-I-B-O-E. Yeah. <laughs> I know this name. Uh, he's been in Queen Sugar and Jump and... Girls Trip. Girls Trip. He's hot. Yeah. You guys should look look him up. <laughs> <laughs> he's an attractive man. Yeah, so, like, again, I picked Beanie Feldstein and this particular actor because, for my original idea, there were people in their 20s, but, you know, attractive yeah. people, rich people, whatever. No, I think we were on the same page. I feel like all of the clones are people in their 20s, but I also think because in this society... Yeah, they're the healthiest... Ver- like, even if it's not brain replacement, it's still the healthiest version of the organs. Right. I think, like, our people would have made their money around this time, and so the first thing that they purchase as stupidly rich people yeah. would be this insurance policy. Yeah, and policy. we can have other people running around. Yeah. For example, we got our, our, our Council of Merricks. Yes, our Council of Merricks. You want to go first? You want me to go first so that you can do your big, and mine... No, no. It's fine. <laughs> so mine is a very on-the-nose casting, and I did this casting on purpose, and anyone who knows why will know why, and I hope you find it very funny. Um, she, so she hasn't been doing as much recently because she's very much from the Joss Whedon school of people and you feel bad for her for it, but like she isn't getting his work as much. Like she was in 911 Lone Star, but like she's in Dollhouse, she's in Cabin in the Woods, she's in Angel. And, uh, this actress's name is Amy Acker. Mm. And she's great. Mm -hmm. Like you love Amy Acker. Amy Acker is amazing. 
And just having Amy Acker be like, yeah, no, I'm just here to help you. I'm your therapist. What's going on? What's happening? Stab, 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 stab. You know. I do know. Amy Ackering it up. I loved her at The Gifted. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Yeah, that show existed. You know, I didn't even realize it got canceled. And I was like... we stopped watching it. I was actively... I've watched every single episode. Did you? Yep. That was the Mutants one, right? Yep. Oh, she was also in No Ordinary Family, which was my other other show that just stopped. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you do it? Did you stop my shows? Was that you? I plead the fifth. Okay. Um, So, I wanted somebody who felt... Very boss bitch. Whenever I have to cast a boss bitch par- character, I go, I couldn't afford Charlie's Theron, so who did I get instead? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's fair. That's great. kind of my rule. Um, I wanted somebody older. Uh, n- not, like, older, much older, but yeah. I wanted them older than our clones that were running around. I think Amy Acker is 45. She doesn't look it. She does not. But I understand what you're going for. Yeah. But at the same time, the person I, I chose also does not look it. Yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood. None of them are going to. Yeah. Um, I chose Lena Hetty. Interesting. <laughs> and you want us to not immediately suspect her as being the villain? No. I think we're supposed to know that she that is she's the villain. Bad, but we don't. We're not. So we're supposed to immediately suspect she's the villain, but not suspect that there's this other twist of she's really the clown. It, yeah, I, I like... That gets me. Yeah, and I also like the idea that she could have six opportunities to present herself a little bit differently. So you see her and you get this idea of, like, superiority, which I think she does very, very well. I also think she's a little bit of a Sean Bean. She dies a lot, <laughs> you know, That's in fair. things. So I feel like we're doing the character true justice she's here. She's also so tall. Yes, so it, I feel like the idea that you wouldn't expect this person to be to be a clone works with her because she's she's very angular and it just feels like she's very refined and specific and like crosses her T's and dots her I's in a very specific manner. And then to find out like, oh, it's even worse than you thought was sort of my idea behind. behind All right. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Immediately tip the hand. Of, like, because uh, we're watching movie. We know things aren't going to be quite but the same. Like, there's not some big grand twist of, oh, this person's t- secretly evil. Right. We know that. Yeah. It's Sean Bean. Right. <laughs> uh, and for Lena Headey, like, oh, yeah, no, it's not some big grand twist that she's actually evil. Here's what the actual twist is. Yes. Good. I think that that is actually correct. But and I agree in with the you. same way, I didn't cast this character but the person who is uh, Sean Bean's or Dr. Merrick's other half in which they're doing the selling. Yeah, I didn't care about that person Well, at that all. could easily be Amy Acker. Well, or it's just a different Lena Headey. Oh. It's just, this is the public-facing one. Okay, I love that, actually. Like, we have the council, the council of uh, council Merrick's. Of council of <laughs> yeah, The council of Merrick's, and there's the six that are running the individual things, and then there's the seventh one who's just the public-facing one. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I don't. The Sector Seven one. Yeah, Sector Seven, which is to the world. The world mm-hmm. is publicity, marketing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That brings us to writer, and that brings us to director. So, starting with writer, who I think you said you didn't really have someone for. Yeah, 
Like, I have someone, but I would just rather not say. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you about who I have for my writer. Please do. Um, (laughs) To avoid some of the Michael Bay problems, I have a female director, but my writer's male. He's written, he hasn't done that much, but he wrote on Barry. He wrote on Big Mouth. He wrote on Hit Monkey. He wrote on Documentary Now. And those things all combined felt like this movie. Okay. Uh, And that is a writer named Duffy uh, Boudreaux. Boudreaux? It's a writer named Duffy. Duffy. And like literally those are the four credits. And because I was like, what's a show? What's a movie with something that like kind of gives off these kind of vibes? And honestly, Barry was one of them. Yeah, I feel that. And so like I went for someone, like not obviously the creators of Barry, but someone who did a lot of work on Barry would kind of have, it felt like tone wise, it matched. Okay. And so that's why I was thinking this particular writer. And then when I saw Big Mouth, I was like, okay. You can do it. You can do this. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Hit Monkey was just a just a bonus, <laughs> which is a show that I haven't even started watching yet, but I know I need to. Okay, well, I'm not going to share mine, That's so fine. you win. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to talk about director, or would you like me to do the same thing and tell you about the director? You tell me yours. So my director is great. Like I, uh, she is. Uh, I I the the thing that she's done that I'm familiar with is Loki. Okay. But she also was a director at Sex Education, a movie called Daybreak. Her name is Kate Heron. Okay. And for this one, I wanted... It, it was the, the tonality and the angles and the way of shooting for Loki. And I thought that that was the kind of thing of, like, this director knows what she's doing and makes it present and known and is very smart about something that could very easily be cringy, but it's not. Okay. And so that's why I thought Kate Heron would be fun. Okay. Mine. Go for I it. Guess. So I have to preface this. The movie I've seen from this person, I did not like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But this person was previously, or maybe still is, a music video director. Okay. They really care about the aesthetics of every project that they've worked on. Okay. And so I really appreciate that aspect of all that they've done and with the movie that i've seen from this person i liked the relationship and the chemistry and it really felt like director driven they were a good actors director yes and very good at the overall picture okay so i chose melina matsukas she did queen and slim (laughs) and i i thought that she could bring in that sort of beautiful aspect that Michael Bay seems to also very much care about, but still having the, like, like there there is no objectification except what the character would want to be objectified for. Yeah, it's character choice as opposed to the male gaze of someone like Michael Bay. Yes. So I was I was looking for somebody who could do the Michael Bay thing, but would do it in not like necessarily a tasteful way, but in a a thoughtful, <laughs> not necessarily way. a tasteful way. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I just mean like it's just a, a very funny way to word it. Yeah, in a thoughtful way, like thought over taste. Got it. To write, like yeah, I like I didn't like Queen and Slim. <laughs> issues with it, but I thought it was beautiful. And but I your thought issues there are was... with the script and not yes. the directing. Yes, got it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So then between the two that we have, Melina Matsukas and Kate Heron, who would you pick? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're both good for different reasons. They are both good for different reasons. Um, and I think your argument in terms of, like, style for uh, Melina Matsukas is a good argument. But I think your argument for, like, substance, <laughs> then... Sure. Is, a, is, like, I would... So I guess the argument, like, based on the sorts of things we've been talking about, because there's nothing wrong with making a a very stylized popcorn movie. Right. I don't even know if that's the kind of movie Melina Matsukas wants to make, because I don't think that's what uh, Queen and Slim was. No, definitely not. Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like we have to go with Kate Heron. I feel like we should, too, because I think she would see the material and run with it. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking from a, like, this person could have easily done Bad Boys. Yeah, that, <laughs> so therefore they could have easily done The Island. Well, I also really like the idea of pulling a, a music video director as a, an alternative to Michael Bay of this one replacing one kind of spectacle with a different kind of spectacle. Yes. I unfortunately think that part of the problem with the movie as it exists now is the spectacle. Right. When what should be a much more personal movie is in fact a spectacle show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem with the movie as it exists. But... I just as a as an as a uh, a one for one replacement for Michael Bay. I think Melina Matsukas is very very clever and very smart. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't need you to gas me up. Well, we're going with Kate Heron, so it's, <laughs> it's a way to get you to be okay with that. I was okay with it when you said her. That's why I was like, do I even need to say my person? <laughs> I'm glad you did. I am glad you did. Um, but that brings us to uh, our, our list. So let me tell you about the Nouveau Island, the island, whatever. Okay. Lincoln will be played by Naomi Scott. Jordan will be Darren Barnett. Albert Laurent will be Sophia Ali, but assisted by Omar Epps. The Council of Merricks will be Lena Headey. Uh, Mac, James McCord, will be Zach Cherry. Our other clone friends will be Beanie Feldstein, Kofi Siraboe, Dave Batista, and Chris Hemsworth, because it's funny. All of this will be written by Duffy uh, Boudreaux and directed by Kate Heron. And that is The Island. Woo! Woo! We gonna go see this movie? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have to. I put so much work and blood, sweat, and tears into making this film. And luckily, we can get that all replaced. Right, because <laughs> we will have so much money after this movie. And just, the, <laughs> just so many spares and backups. Yeah. It's be great. Yeah. Um, at least six. At least six. Cool. So, we've made it to the end. Mimi, thank you so much for introducing me to this movie watching it with me, and then remaking it with me. Of course, anytime. I would I would love to show you more movies that definitely, absolutely should be remade, if only so we can forget the original. Great, I love it. <laughs> um, so, do you have any social medias or anything that you would like to promote? I do! I You can find me on most things, specifically Instagram, as at seeitontuesday. Uh, where I tell you, you should definitely see the movie you're interested in, but how you should watch them. And if I'm not there, you can find me at Camara, which is technically my first name, C-A-U-M-E-R-A, uh, where you can see <laughs> Big me. Big podcast reveal. You've never said that on the show I mean, before. It's you your can third s- episode. You can see me wear colors and post pictures of my dog. I don't know if you want to know me. The dog is excellent. And if we want to follow just the dog. Oh, yes. You can follow my dog at Mazakine period, the pup, on you wanna, Instagram. Do you want to spell Mazikeen? I feel like if you're a nerd, you've seen Lucifer. 
Fair. <laughs> yeah. Mazikeen. I feel like it's spelled the way you think it is, but there's no Y. If you thought there was a Y, you were wrong. Got it. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, if you're interested in following me, I'm on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Ideal Remake. Spelled like the podcast app thing you have in front of you. Um, or join the Facebook group, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. And because Ideal Remake is a part of the Dueling Genre Network, I try to promote one of the other Dueling Genre shows at the end of every episode. And this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Protagonist Podcast. Joe Dorowski hosts this every week on Mondays, and he and a guest discuss a great character and a great story. Comic books, TV, books, movies. They talk about the protagonist. The protagonist from those things. They talk about Watership Down. They've talked about Storm from X-Men. They have apparently many Christmas specials. But yeah, it's a fun show. Check it out. It's uh, worth your time. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Sounds good. It does seem up your alley. It does. And you know what? If you're interested in checking out uh, more dueling genre shows, listen to Franchiseography, where Mimi, a.k.a. Camara, is on for the episode of Breaking Dawn Part 2. Yeah. Yeah. I talk Twilight. You did a great job. Thank that, you. That was, that was a whole fun series of episodes. I do like Twilight. And you, and you kept it all off. It was great. So, yeah. We will now end this episode the way we end all episodes. What was your favorite quote from the movie The Island? Jesus must really love you. Jesus really loves you. Yep, there it is. <laughs> it's the only correct answer. It's the one quote. <laughs> I also like Sean Bean sticking little buggy mechanical bugs in Ellen McGregor's eyes and goes... It doesn't hurt. <laughs> this, is, this is hurting a lot. It, it, it really hurts. It doesn't no, hurt. It, it doesn't hurt. You're wrong. It's not hurting. Cool. It's like, now you're going to relieve them, you know, the natural way, and that That's will gonna hurt. hurt. <laughs> that was so weird. That did not need to be in the movie. I mean, I think Jesus must really love you. Uh, it's pretty great. That That's the best line. Yeah, I think it's one of the best lines, period. Period. <laughs> the end.